Love podcasts? You'll love Podcast Magazine, taking readers into the lives of today's leading podcasters and beyond the microphone of the shows fans love. Each month, Podcast Magazine's dedicated writers share personal interviews, industry happenings, exclusive categorical charts, and independent ratings and reviews of under-the-radar shows. If you listen to podcasts, subscribe now at podcastmagazine.com and grab a free lifetime subscription while you can. That's podcastmagazine.com. On today's episode of Reinvention Radio. And so what I tell parents is learn to apologize when you're wrong. So I've had to do it with my nine-year-old and I, I teach parents this is go back and say, hey, I'm sorry, I, sh- I need to do better. Can you help me with this? Uh, daddy needs to not do this. And so my son will say, hey, daddy, give me your phone when you're driving. So I give it to him because he, he keeps me honest, right? This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with Richie Ote. What's up, my brother? How are you? How are you? Uh, doing excellent. Thank you. Doing most excellent. Good to see you. Most Mary Goulet is uh, doing some real estate stuff today, as you all know that she does. And so she's off in real estate land. Kelly's got her under control back at headquarters. And uh, and we, I think, are on week, uh, what is it, 612 now or something like that of the quarantine, whatever it is. We're uh, uh, somewhere somewhere in there. How you how you holding up there, Richie? It's good. I don't call it quarantine. That's the only way. Like, if I call it lockdown or quarantine, like, I'd be going batshit crazy by now. Like, I, right. I'm just, I get to stay home with the family and enjoy them for a while. It's the only way it's working out in my mind. Yeah. What's, um, what's something that you are doing during this period of time that you hadn't done before this, this let's just call it period of time? What, uh, what's something you're doing with the family? <sighs> that, that we haven't done before? That you haven't done before. Yeah. Something that you started doing during this period of time, if anything. Um, yeah, no, I mean, there's been, there's been a ton of stuff, but I think I alluded to this the other week. We're, we're actually, in the beginning, we were trying to set boundaries so much because it's like, got to get the schoolwork done, got to get this. You know, Olivia's only seven, right? And um, fundamentally, one of the things that's been the most helpful is literally, like, acting with her as if she's adult and asking for her input mm. and literally, you know, well, instead of telling her what to do, like, well, what do you think we should do? And, you know, in the beginning yeah. that led to let's have cookies and chicken nuggets and pizza, you know, and it, it, it changed <laughs> like, Hey, we can't, but yeah, just literally just involving her more in the decision-making process. It's actually gotten surprisingly, um, that's just something that comes to mind. We didn't do that as much and we yeah. thought even more had to guide her and keep her in place. And it's, it's literally like, phew, She's leading us now. Yeah, right. Which is, you know, which is what you want to happen. Uh, I mean, it's like, you know, what, what's the old adage? You know, you, you give a man a fish, he eats for a, a day. You teach a man a fish, he eats for a lifetime or whatever. So, you know, definitely something to be said uh, 
around that. I just wish I could get over my, uh, my schizophrenia as far as like messes are concerned. Like I see all these YouTube <laughs> videos and videos on Facebook of people doing all these fun things with their kids. And you know, you got this, this baby is like two years old, like cooking, right. You know, with eggs and like flour and like everything everywhere. And I'm just like, I don't know where my, my phobias or paranoias or whatever you want to call them come from, but man, like I, I wish I could just get comfortable with messes. I don't know what, like messes are like a trigger for me. I don't know what that is. And that probably hasn't served my kids well because uh, none of them know how to cook anything but toast. So, you know, they'll, I guess they'll have to figure out the rest of it on their own. <laughs> Hopefully getting through that. All right. So uh, let me let me do this, which is first of all, to say to all of you that I hope you are safe. I hope you are healthy. Um, we, we actually... Um, we got hit on the family front pretty, uh, pretty, pretty near and dear to us. Our, uh, our niece, uh, her husband and uh, a friend of theirs all uh, have the COVID. They're recuperating. Um, but uh, a very dear friend of ours and her husband both have it and her mom just died of it. So the, those the three of them in that family. Uh, and their mom actually passed away from it. So, you know, the, for all of these folks who are out there with these posts, you know, of do you know of anyone who has actually been impacted by this? Um, let me just say that, you know, those aren't just numbers on a screen. Every single time you see the number flip over to the next number, that is an actual person. That is an actual family. There are real people being really impacted by this. And as someone who supports and embraces entrepreneurship as I have for 30 years, and Richie, I know you've, you've been the same as well. I mean, believe me, we, as much as anyone else out there wants to get back to business and we just need to be smart about it. And I, I have to tell you, I'm, um, I'm not sure that I, I quite can explain my, my own hesitancy around this. And, and my wife has, you know, very similar concerns from the standpoint of, it's just like when you, when you can walk out and you can see the enemy with a, with a gun or with a knife, it's like, oh, there it is. Let me cross the street or do whatever I need to do. In this case, it's like you just can't see it. And, and that to me is the scariest part of all. And so I'd love to say, hey, let's go. You know, everything's great. Let's go. Cases are down this, that, and the other. But how quickly could it spike back up? Like, I, I don't have an answer. But I know from my perspective um, that it's not BS, uh, that there are real people being impacted by this on the daily. And, you know, is it worth throwing away a couple hundred thousand lives to get the economy back up and running? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I just, I, I can't, I can't take that stance that we can sacrifice people with pre-existing conditions or whatever it must be there because I'm not affected. They're not affected. Like people I know aren't affected. Like it's just such a difficult situation. And I'm so concerned that it's going to get worse before it gets better in terms of this kind of civil-ish war that we're starting to see of either you're you're with the man if you're you're on one team and if 
you're against masks, you're on a uh, and is a, is a scary proposition because I don't know how bad it's going to get, but I actually think it's going to, not, not trying to be a, a doomsday type person here, but I think that that divide is going to increase rather than decrease, unfortunately. Richie, any thoughts on that before we, uh, we move into a more positive discussion here? Yeah, well, I'll start to lead the way towards positivity. Um, <laughs> As you it, always do, my friend. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, again, I don't want to make light, like go back and, and rewind to this spot where I said, I'm not making light. I'm not. But even in all these tests that we do moving forward, when we're testing new vaccines and do everything, there will be a group that has a placebo. And the reason we do that is because there are things that just the mind can do that can help it. And so I'm mm -hmm. not saying the mind can cure this, but I'm definitely saying use, making prudent decisions. And even if you're affected, like, look, this, this world all likes making money. We wouldn't have shut down in the first place. Like remember with the new media summit and we saw the MBA shutting down. I mean, like there's something real happening and just like I said, almost when we first started, whether you want to be borderline Pollyanna and there's going to be the greatest opportunity for an entrepreneur in the world to conspiracy theory, the, the evidence is sitting all in front of you like a golden platter. It's just what do you want to see? So focus on what you're wanting to see. Act accordingly. Stay positive. Stay safe. Be courteous. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Yeah, and and speaking of of those who uh, you know have been able to 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 be strong, be inspiring, you know, be uh, just motivational, and 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 just really help people stay positive. Uh, just a really really great segue into uh, Matthew Cox, and and so Matthew, first and foremost, really great having you here with us. Where where are you at in the world? Las Vegas, Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, was, yeah, that's. That's an interesting spot right there, man. Do you, do you, I mean, I would think, you know, people impacted mm -hmm. from, from a hospitality standpoint, because like the whole city shut down with tourism being such a big piece of, you know, what's going on there. You, um, before we jump into all the fun stuff that you were doing in, in your story and whatnot, can you share a little perspective uh, in terms of how Vegas has been impacted? Uh, it's been impacted pretty, pretty drastically. I mean, 300,000 in, individuals out of employment, uh, the strip looks like a horror movie where it's a bomb went off. Nobody's down there. Um, so it's just, it's a whole different world uh, here. I actually own several businesses. I own a mental health business. So I, it, it's impacted our industry where lots of suicide, lots of domestic violences went up. Um, yeah. Just, just a lot of things are happening. I mean, people are scared because um, it's affected them not only their health that's affected their bottom line and so yeah for do, sure yeah we do a lot of support groups throughout the week and uh, so i get to hear a lot of what the stressors are right now yeah do you feel like we're on the it's kind of the back end of that i mean like what's what's kind of the mood in uh in, in vegas at the moment well vegas is is they're trying to open up there's a lot of businesses doing it uh they're kind of pushing against the governor uh so the, the police force is coming in and shutting them down. So it's, it's really frustrating for some business owners. They want to get going. Uh, Vegas in a whole is, <laughs> is a different 
it's it's a very interesting state navigating. Yeah, um, I should say Nevada, but um, so yeah, I think people are itching to get back to work, and so there's this. I see where the governors are coming from. So some are being more loose, and some are being more strict. And then yeah. you you have this collision of hey we're a free nation we get to do our country we get to do what we want um, yeah so it is scary I mean like you guys are saying that respread is you know we learned it from the Spanish flu uh, back in 1918 it was they did the same thing they got sick of being quarantined so they went out and did big parades and then we had a second wave yeah and uh, that that led to 65 million people dying uh, yes. from the Spanish flu so. Yeah. It, there is that scare, but I think we're doing a good job social distancing. I think it's just being positive. I liked what you, you said. It is, you know, positivity is a key. Um, yeah. Then doing what you can to prevent. Yeah, Matt. So, Matthew, take us through then your uh, a brief bit of your story, because I don't want to focus too much on the past because you're yeah, doing no such works. great work, such, doing such great work now. Um, but I really want people to understand sort of the challenges that, that you have had in your life because you've come up against uh, you know, pretty, pretty meaningful challenges uh, of your own that have led you to this point. So take us, take us through some of those challenges uh, and then uh, bring us into, into today and the work that you're doing right now. Good question. So, you know, I grew up in a small town in Utah. It's called Hurricane. If you're from there, it's pronounced hurricane if you speak proper English, which I don't. Um, and uh, grew up in it was a very small high school 75 in my graduation uh, a little bit more it was it was very small at the in, in 1996 is when I graduated but early on in my years in first grade I, I learned um, unfortunately like any kid they want to be Superman right and uh, I, I learned very early I had a kryptonite when I went to first grade uh, they told me I was slow they labeled me slow and then my mom and the principal talked and I got held back, whatever that was at the time. Now, uh, when you hear those words, it means you repeat the grade that you're in. And so, you know, at the early age, I, I was told I was broken, didn't understand all my friends went on. And it just that was my school career throughout uh, first grade on, uh, always trying to catch up. I remember in fourth grade, I had a good friend, Donnie, when we would sit in lines. I don't know if you guys remember those spelling bean lines yet. Yeah? Sure. And I'd freak out because I phonetically just did not. So in first grade, they diagnosed me with a processing disorder, which was a reading disorder. I read and write at a fourth grade level currently today. So I've always struggled with the English language, but it's a box we get put in after the years I've learned. But that journey taught me failure. Failure is, is not a bad thing. It, it really taught me resilience because um, I've had a lot of failure in my life when it comes to education. Uh, so school was always a, a high anxiety as a kid, a high a frustration. I was that kid that would always hang out with the janitor because uh, I'd rather be with the janitor in, than in class reading. Or uh, I remember I'd try to memorize the, uh, when we'd read out loud in the school in third grade, I'd be trying to memorize before it came to my turn because um, it was always embarrassing, you know, as a kid. And it's hard to explain because I used to get told all the time, hey, Matthew, you just got to read harder. I didn't know what that meant. Did I hit the book with my head or something? I didn't know what it meant to read harder. Mm. Um, or you just got to memorize better. And I was like, okay, whatever. But when you have a dis or when it's not dyslexia, mine is a processing disorder. So there's a little difference when it comes to 
intellectual disabilities, a lot of people, dyslexia is when you flip the numbers. A processing disorder is when it, it, it affects your decoding of the word. So I don't, I don't sound out phonetically or I don't spell phonetically. Um, and it, it's like a foreign language to me sometimes. So, mm-hmm. but I, the, the irony of all this is I read a book a month. I, I listen to a book a month. Mm. Um, I should change that. So Audible has been the biggest blessing ever. Uh, when I was in, so after my high school, I dropped out of my high school year. Um, my 11th grade, I went to homeschool. I started my first business, which was a yard care business. And I mowed lawns. And at the age of 17, I was making five grand a month and wow. um, mowing lawns. And I, I was that kid. I don't know if you guys remember the movie Summer School when the one guy went to the bathroom and never came back. And then he showed up at the end of the movie. One. Oh, you get to no. see that. It's great. Summer's I went to film school. I'll get to that point. But um, yeah, so he, so the point is, is I went and then I showed back up on my senior year to graduate. I walked with my, 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 um, my classmates because I did homeschool. Uh, back then it was a little different because you'd, you'd go do packets because we didn't have the internet as much, but uh, I'd finish a packet, two packets were one credit. But I had a phenomenal teacher, John, uh, Mr. Johnson, which really helped motivate me um, and kind of put me in the right path. And he says, you know, Matt, uh, you can use this as an excuse or you can use this as something that can help you. Because I've always had a good attitude and resilience. And so I didn't use my disability as an excuse because statistically I shouldn't be doing anything I, I, I'm doing. Um, and so it just went on. I did really well in my business and mown lawns and then my next business after I hit about 22, I started a foster company. So I started working with foster kids. Um, I kind of fell into that because I started coaching the high school team. I played soccer. I was really good at soccer. Went on a plate for a college called Dixie College out of St. George, Utah. And then I took over the soccer team. I became the head coach. So I had an, I had an ability to take over things. I learned how to, um, be resilient and, and kind of remove. I, if I couldn't figure it out, I would go to the library and even though I couldn't read the books, I would figure it out because a lot of books have pictures. People don't realize that. And pictures teach you a lot of things. And so I, I found a way of learning and digesting stuff. But when I was in high school, I'd even get my little brothers to read my homework uh, hmm. be, because I just wasn't going to give up. So that's, that's, that was, I had a drive, I think, uh, you know, it just came from somewhere. I don't know what it was. So it led up to now. Um, so I did graduate college. I flunked out of college in my bachelor's about seven times. Um, I hated math. Uh, I just couldn't get past it, man. I I tried and tried. And I remember going to the math department and cried and I says, Hey, I just, I can't do this again. And, uh, I took it on summer and I didn't take any classes. So what it taught me college is an interesting navigation. I coach kids in it, but I say, you got to shop teachers. You got to know your teacher because that it's not all teachers are the same. And so I found Mr. Bowler during the summer and he was a lawyer and he taught the math class and I finally passed it with a C minus and I says, peace out. I'm, I'm out of here because <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to take it again. But um, so I, I, I was kind of like Polly sure I could have been like three different degrees in my, my bachelor's. I had so many credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed in there and then I finally went on to my master's and I have a business uh, administrative degree with a public administration, but my bachelor's is film and marketing. So I went to film school. Uh, the school I was in finally got a film degree and I succeeded in that. I actually went very far in that. 
And then I was the top in my public speaking class. Um, I remember sitting in front of my public speaking teacher saying, hey, I want to be a public speaker and I have a disability and I can't really write that well read. And he, he, I remember him telling me saying, hey, you're going to have a struggle with this. And at the end of that course, he asked me to be the main speaker at the end of my graduation. So mm-hmm. um, I think when people tell me I can't do something, I go do it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So that's kind so, of the backstory. And, and appreciate that. And, and just yeah. for our edification here, how, how did you then create, because, you know, you, you've, well, you've achieved a lot of success. I mean, you've got a company that's doing almost 10 million in revenue right now, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, so give us an understanding of how, well, what that company does. And for someone who has had so many challenges from a learning perspective and, and whatnot, and, and, and yep. you know, I mean, reading, writing, like the whole nine still challenging for you. How do you build almost a $10 million company? Well, it's like Charles Schwab's always said, he, he struggled with dyslexia. He says, uh, he told it, and I agree with it, is put smarter people around you. Does that make sense? Mm. Sure. Um, and so I learned, um, my gift is I'm a visionary. I can see things. I, 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 I get ideas. I'm kind of like Walt Disney. I have a, my wife and I started our first company in 2012, which was an outpatient company, uh, for mental health. Um, and she's just, she's a great individual. She knows how to manage. She's really strong in that area. She was a nurse. And then my brother is my business partner currently, and he was an investigator. So we, I use concept. He's an integrator. I'm a visionary. So he's Walt, I'm Walt Disney. He's Roy. So really how I got there is I just realized I needed better people around me to really understand my vision and bring it down into legs. And that's what mm-hmm. my brother does is he's, he's a high integrator. So he'll take what I say or how we're, creating something, then he'll actually get life to it. And then he's the one that can put it into uh, life. And so really the business turned around. Uh, we did really well in the 12. And then when my brother came on, we, we went even further. And it's just, it's been kind of really cool to watch the growth when you put the right people in the right seat on the bus, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I have a sure. philosophy, right people on the bus, right seat get the wrong ones off. And, and that's what I've had to learn over the years. Um, and get them off quickly. I would yeah, think, fire quick, hire slower. Yeah. yeah. So, right. Yeah. yeah so, Rich, let me, let me give Rich an opportunity here to, to jump in. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to dominate all the, the questions, please. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause there's, we have so many similarities. It's crazy. Like you almost, I almost started sweating when you were talking about reading. Cause I, I remember <laughs> same thing with me. Like I would, You'd, you'd count the students that were ahead of you because the paragraphs. And so you try to read the one that you think you're going to be reading. And then the teacher even, I don't know, the, the, believe me, this isn't a shout out to all teachers. This one was just horrible. She knew I was having a problem and would make the other person read another one. And, you know, just like put me on the spot. It's just like, Oh my gosh, you got me sweating just talking about that. Um, but I, I understood math. Well, um, I, I, I want to take, kind of to a business question, because it's interesting. We just finished doing our other show, Beyond Eight Figures, and I could talk to you about a bunch of different things, but I'm interested in how you chose to move into the more mental health space. Did um, I might have missed something there, but what, what led to that being the thing? Because everything else, it seemed like 
it was sitting there, right? You were good at soccer. You did soccer. You started coaching. Like the other ones kind of made sense as to the evolution. And I, I might've missed something, but what brought you into that particular space? Was it something that you conquered and you wanted to help people with, or was there a business sitting there that you just saw opportunity? Good question. I, I think what really drove me was when I started coaching soccer for ninth graders and uh, 10th graders and in high school. And I just fell in love with coaching and uh, giving people purpose. Cause that's what I struggle with is finding purpose at an age. And, and it's like you said, you got good teachers, you got really so-so teachers. And, and what I found on the soccer field, I just started mentoring kids and, and just helping them. And I fell in love with it. And that's when um, the foster company kind of fell in there and it was just a good fit. And from there I ended up uh, going into the foster care industry and I did that for a while. Then I partnered with another guy and I ended up in uh, emotional growth seminars and started coaching. And I had a coaching practice for years where I was coaching couples and parents and uh, just really busy for uh, many years. I was just swamped with all different things. I was, I, I had, I found out I had a gift with crisis situations. So when, when somebody would bring a kid to me and say, fix them, cause I was that kid, right? The kid that was always frustrated. So I'd always tell the parents, well, let's put the kid aside and let's work on you. And so that's kind of where my career came. I think it's a calling. I think it found me more than I found it. Um, and then I just, I learned to turn it into a, a revenue because it, it was, at first it wasn't a revenue. I was doing a lot of free stuff. <laughs> and so, yeah. and, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs do that. If it's a passion, you do it for free. Um, like I, I done radio shows like this. I, I had a radio show in Vegas for years because I, I loved radio and I did it for free. I, I paid it out because I loved to create content. Um, mm. So to answer that question, I think it found me. I think it, it was really, it, when I look back on it, I just finished my book. And um, when I was going through the journey, I, I can never really pinpoint it. It was just like I fell into it. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it, it totally does. Yeah. It's funny when you talked about working on the parents. I have no idea, but my main my mind does these tangents. It reminded me of that um, the dog whisper, dog yeah. whisper, the season Milan. My accent will be horrible, but it, but he said something like, um, "I I train the people and I rehabilitate the dog." Something like that. Yeah. They used to call me the teen whisperer. I had a few clients that would. Is that, you know, I could take a frustrated teen and, and get them to find purpose really quickly. Um, yeah. Because just coming from there. Let's, um, and, and I want to talk about that as well in a second here. Um, yeah. Actually, I had a note to talk to you about that because I'm going through it now. Um, but the, how, how do you take that gift and turn it into revenue? Because I know there's a lot of people listening right now who mm -hmm. have that, that same gift of being able to heal and be able to help and, and, and like, you know, trauma and crisis and all of these things that they're so good at um, but but they have a difficult time turning that into actual revenue turning that into an actual business let alone one that does eight and a half million or whatever out in revenue this year so how what would you say to them in terms of how do you monetize that sort of ability i, I think what a lot of creators do because i have a philosophy it's called purpose-driven philosophy in the book i'm finishing and what I found is when you create something, like if you're creating a, a content or a platform like this or anything, creation is what is the creation you're doing? Sometimes you fall into it. The next is how do I communicate that? 
so when I was doing coaching, I would do the $50 a session. And then I finally said, Hey, you know, my time's worth more after I got into it more Then I started charging 150. Then I went further where I just charged the family a monthly and say, Hey, I'm going to do this a month. And, and it was when I first did, I was a little scared because I, I always worried to, to talk about money because I'm a high in a, in the temperament theory. I'm a high blue, which I just want to help. Uh, I'll, and my, my wife would get mad at me because I'd give away all my time. And, and so finally I just started asking. I think it, the biggest thing is people don't value your time until you ask. And it, it goes back into business consulting or anything. So, um, I think so. What does that have, What does that sound like, though, Matthew? If I can, because okay. I think a lot of the people are a lot of people are concerned about what that actually sounds like. Because I just have this gift, and I don't, I, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't even, I don't even know how to word it properly so that I get paid what I'm what I'm worth. So, what does that sound like? So, if I'm a person that has a brand, if it's if I'm the brand, um, yeah. if I'm the coach, or if I'm a business, even an e, a CEO is a brand. So, I have to brand myself. And this is where it gets uncomfortable for some is you have to say, okay, I'm going to write a book or if it's your business, sometimes your business is the brand, but the business Walt Disney was behind the business. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So there would be no Walt Disney or any Disneyland. If, so you got to take that creation and you got to sit down and say, what is the end goal? How much do I, you have to have goals because that's where I would struggle at the first of my career is I didn't have goals. I, I didn't say, okay, I want to make 75,000 a year. I want to make 110. I want to make six figures, whatever it is. There is no wrong of making it because if you're going to help people in that process, I think a lot of creators to answer your question is they get stuck. Well, I just, I just like to help. So they'll sit there when they'd come to me and say, Hey Matt, I want to start this business. I'd say, what for? And that's the first question I'd ask them. Why do you want to do it? So I get a lot of people come even say, I want to start a nonprofit. And I says, what for? <laughs> So you got to know your why because it won't become a revenue unless you have a strong why. Um, Victor Frankl used to say, if your cause is greater than you, the revenue will come. And that's kind of been my philosophy is that, but then to answer your question, I think you're going is what's the mechanics is they got to get down to how do you market? How do you get it out there? What is your pricing? Uh, what is your, your tr contracting? How do you actually get people to purchase? How do you get them to fall through? Because what I'd get stuck into when I was doing coaching, I just feel bad. And then I'd say, oh, I'll do it for you for $20 an hour. And then, then I wonder why I'm burned out at the end of the week. Right. Um, Cause it's better to have less clients. I can be more efficient than having more clients. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Cause then I can give my clients more attention. So what I'd tell creators, if you're going to create something and how do you get from passion to revenue is sit down and actually have a business plan, actually think it through, is it somebody somebody wants? Um, it could be anything from yoga classes to whatever. Uh, but you have to ask for the transaction. That's what a lot of creators and, and people that want to help, they don't want to ask for that transaction uh, because it is yeah. your time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. And so to that end, what, where is the majority of your revenue then, then derived from right now, helping people and inspiring people and motivating people and so on like where, where does that what's the breakdown of, of revenue generally speaking like where does it come from and, and what does that look like well some of my con my other companies have contracts so we have contracts either it's government or uh, local and so that comes a lot from those types of companies my other company is my personal brand so that comes from 
speaking engagements, coaching, like consulting or masterminds. So it's kind of those kind of areas. So you got two things. I've built a brand that's brick and mortar. And then I have my personal branding, if that makes sense. Okay. So two sides. Yeah. Yeah. Rich, let me, uh, let me kick it back over to you, man. Cause, uh, I know the whole inspiring and motivating and, and helping, and then we can talk about finding, you know, helping teens find their purpose and whatnot, but let me just make sure that, uh, you know, if you've got something you want to ask of Matthew here, we get that in. Yeah. It kind of goes hand in hand with breaking it down. You got the brick and mortar and you got the personal branding and, um, and what Steve was just asking about with the, the actual business model and, it's, it's helped me and I'm wondering your thoughts on focusing on what exactly the transformation is that you're providing for them because most people kind of, we're, we're so used to getting paid by the hour or people, excuse me, in general are. And so it's this, here's this little deliverable for you for this X amount of price. And there just always seems like, mm -hmm. whereas say you're helping someone and you're coaching them, they could be, there's, there's billionaires and triple digit millionaires, super rich people that can have problems and they have plenty of money. So it's kind of a dual purpose question. Um, do you think it's okay for people to focus on the people who can afford to pay the price they want to ask. And do you think that's better for them to do that in some cases? Cause I'm a person who likes to help everybody. And it, it wasn't until I realized, well, you just pick the audience that can afford it and then find other ways to do things. Like back in the day when we can go to the coffee shop, the secret out was if you meet Richard there at like six in the morning, he'll just give you the information. But um, so it's really, the question would be, can, do you think it's helpful for them to focus on a particular part or a particular um, avatar within their market and just try to not try to help every single person at once until they get farther along in their business? Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the nail. I, what I've learned over the years is you've got to know your avatar. If you use the word avatar as marketing is who is your audience? Um, so I, I dealt with parents. So there is people that can pay cash and there's not. And so I, so my business, my brick and mortar takes care of the ones that can't pay cash. And so they have those fundings, they have those funding resources. So I've learned how to tap in both sides, if that makes sense, because I got to fulfill my need of helping. So, um, but then what I've started doing is focusing on those ones that can pay the cash or the time. Because at the end of the day, um, the biggest thing is your time is worth, it's valuable. Because um, again, I, I'm not going to be any good if you're, if I was going to work with your family, I wouldn't be good for you if I'm, I have 50 clients and I'm overwhelmed and I'm tired. It's kind of the medical system. You see doctors that way, they get burned out because they have to see volume because the insurance doesn't help them have quality. Does that make sense? But if you go cash pay with a doctor, you're going to get more of that one-on-one, -on -one, uh, that time. And it's the same thing in coaching or, or uh, executive coaching. You're going to get a lot more quality of time if you pay that cash. So, yeah, so I hope, I hope I answer that. It's how I've structured it. I can actually take both take care of both sides. The company takes care of one. And then my focus now, as I've got older, I focus on a little higher end so that I can do more. And then I do groups, uh, which re 
which develops that generates that income. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it definitely makes sense. I mean, in the world, Steve and I, we play in slightly different worlds, but similar. It would almost be like um, you and your radio show where the content you do on a daily basis, this is the free, this is, this is a, just come in, enjoy. Uh, you might have to search a little more. You might have to go back a couple years for episodes to find particular things, but hey, someone who can pay, like they're going to get sit down time delineated exactly the way they should do it structured here it all is kind of packaged up for you yeah yeah makes sense yeah let me uh let me ask you this and we'll jump around here because i got a 16 and a 13 year old at home and i know you're so good at motivating and inspiring and helping people find purpose and this that and the other let's let's talk about that so what what do you suggest to to help And, and i'm sure this is applicable for anyone of any age who's trying to figure out what, you know, they're, they're just naturally wired to excel at, what really puts fire in their soul, as I say. Um, what, what is your process? Uh, let's talk it through for, for teens. And then I'm, again, I'm sure that this is applicable for others. So please. Yeah, for teenagers, teenagers, they're just a rare breed. Um, things, as you know, if you have teens, like you said, you have how many teens at your house, Steve? Two, 16 and 13. Two? All right, 16, 13. Bless your heart. Girl, boy. Uh, both Girls, boys. Both boys. All right, I got two boys. And and, you know, when, when you have kids, you want to parent from a sense, sense of who are they because we try to parent out of the same way. And so what I've taught parents over the years is each one is hardwired different. So I use a temperament theory. When I go in the home, I'll say, okay, what, what kind of kid? And I use colors. And it's a temperament theory goes back. And so if I have a blue kid, a green kid, or an orange kid, so I have a nine-year-old, he's green. So green means he loves, he's motivated by money. And I have a funny story. Um, yesterday he, he, I, I'd made a little hole in the wall and then he bumped it and it broke all the way through. And then he came over and says, daddy, what happened to the wall? And I says, I don't know what happened. You, you probably get this a lot. Right. So I says, yeah. so we're out walking the dogs and say, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll reward you handsomely. If you, you come clean, you know, and he thought about it and he goes, okay, I did it. And I says, okay, well, do you think it's fair that I pay you for lying? I'll, I'll pay you if you think it's fair. And he says, no, I, and, and we had to go through principles. Um, and so he's motivated by money. He loves school. He hates to miss school. He cries when he doesn't go to school. Um, my other son, he's only three right now. He's hidden up to four. He's a gold kid. And I can tell that already being gold because he, he has routines. So when he goes and uses the bathroom, he'll turn the light off, shut the door. Um, he'll do certain things that is really routine, and that's a gold person. I'm an orange, so I won't shut the door. I'll leave it open. I drive my wife crazy because I leave my stuff all over. She goes, put your shoes over here. They go here. And she's a high gold. So a lot of times when I have kids, you know, kids are, they're, everything evolves around them. Teenagers especially because they're, they're just trying to find control. And I, I have a favorite book. It's called How to Hug a Teenage Porcupine. I always recommend it to parents. And, and yeah, it's by Dr. John Lund and he's a great guy. I interviewed him years ago and he just, he really puts it down to the T when it comes to kids, kids values are friends, fun, freedom, and food. That's how they think. And in us adults or we go into responsibility. So we lose that. So the funny thing about motivating kids, we try to, you know, as, as adults, we want to pay, be responsible. And I'd always say, well, they're learning that they don't know what it means to be responsible. Uh, that's our job, but we get so busy as parents. Hey, hey, well, I'll be right with you. Let me put the phone down. Hold on, I'm busy. I'm busy. 
And yeah. so it's changed. So I think this quarantine's taught me a lot. Like having the more, I think you said it earlier, having the more time has been a blessing, even if we haven't, you know, blessed the hearts of those that have been struggling with it. But those that haven't, I hope they're taking advantage of the downtime, um, even mm-hmm. if they're stressed in the home. And I've, I've really encouraged it. So what it's learned for me, and this will answer your question, to motivate a teenager is stop trying to control them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sure. All your, all your unmet expectations are your frustration. And this, this is the fungus among us, right? Is we think that we have expectations, but teens don't have your semi-expectations, especially a 16 and a 13-year-old. Boys, they're just coming into it. They're just saying, Dad, you're lecturing me again. Come on. So if I have a green kid, I'm going to come to him and I'm going to be very, very systematic. I'm going to parent him out of a different way. If I have a blue kid, I'm going to give him a hug, put my, my arm around him because he's emotional. And I'm going to, because he needs that connection, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the difference in parenting because how we were parented, our parents parent back in 1960 or whenever it was. My mom's 70 now and her parenting style is a lot different than these kids. These kids are a different generation. Uh, yeah, these are sure. our social social media kids, right? Um, they're stimulized a lot different than what we were. I mean, I was out, you know, riding bikes or doing something. But there is, yeah. and, and the big thing I just tell you as a parent is there is no correct answer in parenting. It's just be consistent, whatever you do, and be on the same page. If you have another, mm-hmm. if you and your wife or anybody's in there, uh, every home I'd go into, it was always a parenting. It was always a couple issue, not a kid issue. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, and how, how do you figure out the color? Is that a particular system? Oh, is, yeah, that your, so, is that your system? No, I, I, I have a buddy. He created it over, well, he's, he's in his 1978. Don Lowry created it. It's called True Colors. And it's, it's, a, it's a temporary th- system. It's kind of like the discs. A lot of people know the disc or the Meyer yeah. Briggs. Sure. And so I, I use the colors because it's so simplistic and it's just teaching how to parent out of that. But um, yeah, so emotional stress, like right now with, with parents having emotional stress in the home, lots going on. It, I've noticed for us running businesses in the home and having to work out of the home, uh, we get really busy. And my three-year-old even tells me, daddy, put the phone away. Daddy, stop. Daddy, go to sleep. Put the phone away. So when a three-year-old's telling you there's got to be some truth there, right? And so what I tell parents is learn from your kids because your little ones, your 16-year-olds, your 17-year-old, they'll say things that just blow your mind, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's where the parents have a hard time is getting that feedback. And so what I tell parents is learn to apologize when you're wrong. So I've had to do it with my nine-year-old and I I teach parents this is go back and say, hey, I'm sorry, I I need to do better. Can you help me with this? Uh, daddy needs to not do this. And so my son will say, Hey, daddy, give me your phone when you're driving. So I give it to him because he, he keeps me honest, right? He mm-hmm. tells me to buckle my seatbelt and he's only nine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? So the biggest thing I always drive home is, is creating connection is the greatest key with kids. Cause when they get older, it's going to change. I mean, being yeah. teenagers, is it changed? Remember when they were little and you can hold them and cuddle them. Now they're 16 and 13 and they're too busy sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Rich, let me, uh, let me give you an opportunity here to, to fire away at Matthew and then we'll, uh, we'll probably have to wrap, but Rich. 
No, I really love that. Uh, it's what I saw. I don't know if it's the same guy's site, but I saw True Color and then it, like International or something like that. True yeah, he Color created something. that company. Uh, he's Don Lowry's the founder of it, but it got sold. So he's he's um, a good yeah. friend of mine. But yep, pretty, pretty cool. Um, one, just I, I love the idea of kind of keeping the goals out there, but almost not having expectations. It's a lot about what's going on mm -hmm. in the world right now, right? We want yeah. goals. You still got to do things, but it might look different. Um, with the families right now, I would just say one, one thing when it comes to um, say the homeschooling stuff, the, di the difference between other people who homeschooled and even potentially yourself um, as opposed to homeschooling right now is it was a choice for all those other people. So it, do you have any kind of input? Um, and I'm sure it's different depending on the color, right? I'm going to look into yeah. that after too, but any kind of, kind of global feedback on that particular piece? Uh, divide and conquer would be the best thing I can tell you because I'm not a homeschooler. So my wife takes care of all that and I take care of the three-year-old. So we divide and conquer. So I'll, entertain the three-year-old. She takes care of the nine-year-old and she's, she's good at school. That's my wife's gift. She's really good at school and mine's more of entertaining, right? So I'll entertain the little one and I'll kind of go through those uh, fun little things. Like I can do colors and I can teach them ABCs. Uh, but when it comes to math, I let her deal with the nine. <laughs> it brings down the frustration because the expectation, but I would just encourage couples to communicate more. Um, because we become human doings, not human beings and human doings the, then the resentment, the frustration builds up. I'm doing everything. You, I need your help around here. And I think that's where a lot of domestic violences came up because now you're there 24 seven and, um, where you had, Hey, we're busy. We're running all over. So I think it, when it comes to school, just be very communicative, sit down weekly. I call it a red, red hour, one hour week where you get to sit down with your spouse and give feedback. And that's an open arm, you know, how'd this week go? And this is hard for couples. My wife, I have to kind of force her to do it because she's a high gold and she just has it in her head. She doesn't need to sit down and talk about it. No, I don't, you know, I'm a, and I like, I like to process it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I did just encourage, you know, that red hours to give feedback. What can I do better? Um, and it can bring up school. How's school going? Do you need anything? Cause it is a whole nother world. I mean, we're, we're now doing back in the day, we're yeah. back there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I just say, yeah, divide and conquer. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Great advice, man. And really appreciate you, you taking the time to share so much here. And if people want more information, uh, best place for them to go, where, where, where should they connect? Um, with you? Yeah. Just go to Facebook. You can hit me up on my one page. I have a lot of information there. It's at Matthew Leland Cox. And you can also go to the website, MatthewLeelandCox.com. So awesome. you can get all that info. All right, my man, we're going to let you jump. And uh, Richie and I will wrap up here. But really, really appreciate you hanging out with us. And, uh, and again, thanks so much for joining us on Reinvention Radio. Keep up the, uh, the really great work that you are doing. So thanks, man. And uh, yeah. we'll talk to you really, really soon. All right, Richie, let's uh, let's close it out here my friend and um and hopefully 
uh, apply some of this to our, <laughs> although I think you're probably better at it than, uh, than, than I am, but you know, we, we could have covered a lot of ground there and, uh, and, and we certainly covered a lot of ground there. Uh, but definitely wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to talk about uh, and the work that he does with uh, some of the other healers and coaches and whatnot and how to move those folks into, into the world of doing what they're best at and then just knowing the work that he does around purpose and so on, applying that to, to families and, and so on. Uh, I thought it was really important to, to make sure we covered here today. So any, uh, anything in particular you'll, uh, you'll be taking away? I know, I know for me, I'm going to go out and read How to Hug a, a Teenage Porcupine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. You know, it's, it, I don't know if it's the colors or what, what it is, but there's definitely something to be said of, you know, helping them lead the way they are. You know, to your point, you know, what is your what you think it's comes from the DNA and you know, you've, you've heard me, I think it's a never ending battle of both. You can take the yeah. most perfect seeded DNA and throw it, throw it against the wall and don't give it sunlight and water. And it's like, it's not going to turn into the thing it was supposed to be. And you could take something that's gone through every adversity on the planet. And if it can learn and adjust and adapt. So like, so yeah. whatever we'll, we'll never stop doing that um which is part of what makes it fun right but yeah. um i i would have loved but we just kind of ran out of time to again i i i think we're doing it right as a society kind of being cautious and all this but i would have loved to have gone down the path and get some good insight as to you know the how people could deal with the struggles because someone who's got a business to them, yeah, every business is essential business, right? Like, right. Well, yeah. How are you going to tell me my business is not when your business? Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I get it. Sure. You know, we, we let liquor stores stay open, but you can't go to the gym. Like, and I get it because you're breathing and all this other stuff, but it's just, it's just interesting. So I would have loved to have been able to really tap into them a little more on, you know, these people that are just really struggling yeah. mentally and what they could really focus on to just get stronger during this, especially when you're being told by someone else. Cause it, we probably metaphorically feel like those teenagers that are just being told what to do. And we're just trying to do our own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. And, and uh, so much, so much more to uncover there with, uh, with Matthew and uh, another website you guys can check out is never give up bhs.com so never give up boy henry steve so bhs.com is another site for you guys to go and check out all the work that he and his team and uh everyone is doing there so really really good stuff let's uh let's call it a, a wrap here my friend and right, uh man. encourage everybody to stay safe and stay strong and uh you know just hug those you love and uh and Keep trying to be as much of a, of a positive influence as you possibly can be. But at the same token, you know, sometimes you're the, uh, the hammer, sometimes you're the nail. So just be willing to be both. And uh, nothing says strength more so than, uh, than being vulnerable. So just lean on, lean on those who you need to lean on when you need to. And uh, if you don't have anybody to lean on, uh, you're always welcome to, to join the Reinvention Radio family and come hang out with us on Facebook and all the other fun places where we do our stuff. So we will leave it at that for Mary Goulet, who's off in the world uh, right now. Hopefully be back next week. Kelly's got a control back at headquarters and Richie Ote 
I am Steve Olsher. We'll talk to you guys next time here on Reinvention Radio. Take care, everybody. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit ReinventionRadio.com. 